give it up to Jesus. Man, oh man. Today is Sunday. You know what that means? No, it's our super fun day. It's Easter. Come on. Give it up for Jesus, right? Man, oh man. It's been an awesome weekend of celebration. You know, we kicked things off Friday night with a, a good Friday service to celebrate Jesus' life and also his death. And this morning we come back and celebrate the, the foundation of our faith, the resurrection of Jesus Christ, our Lord and Savior. Come on, give it up, right? Come on. You know, if you were new to church, you're like, you came in today and wondered why we are all crazy about Jesus, people are hooting and hollering and clapping and all excited, that is why, right? That is why we celebrate the risen Christ, because if Jesus didn't conquer the grave, then neither would we. If Jesus didn't conquer the grave, then what we do as a church would be absolutely pointless, but... But we know Jesus is alive, and that's why we come to church and we shout with great praise, celebrating our risen Savior. Right? Come on. Come on. Hey, if you're new with us, welcome. Welcome to Vertical Church, man. We love the fact that you came here this morning, spent an hour of your Easter morning with us. My name is Rich. I have the privilege of being one of the pastors on staff here. We are stoked that you were here. We truly are. We hope that your time with us is nothing short of God awesome. That you enjoy your time as we celebrate Easter this morning. But this morning we're going to take this opportunity to use our Easter celebration to step into our new series titled, But God. So if you are new with us or if, I want, if you've been a part of us for a while, I want to challenge you. This is the beginning of a series, so I want to challenge you to come for the entire series, okay? Five weeks. Think we could do that? I got three people. Come on. <laughs> Next week's going to be a little quiet if only three people show up. All right, so we're kicking off this series. I want to challenge you to come and be a part of this series here, but God. But two words, two words that could change everything in your life. Six letters that have the power and the influence of the Almighty to radically change the direction of how you live. But God. And this is why. I think that we would all agree that we have faced challenges in life. All of us have faced some challenges in life. Challenges that come at sometimes that seem absolutely insurmountable, like there's no way past it. Where we are looking at what we're facing in life, we think there's, there's no way that I'm going to get through that. And right now, maybe that's how some of you walked in this morning. You, have, you are facing this this morning in life. Maybe you received a phone call of some bad news about someone you love. Maybe some test results came back this week and, and weren't what, wasn't what you expected, man. You thought it was going to be something different. Maybe someone you love or trusted betrayed you, and you're walking in this morning thinking, man, can I ever love or trust anyone again? Perhaps, perhaps this morning you walk in and you just lost your job. There's a company downsizing or whatever, and you're wondering how I'm going to get past that. Or maybe you didn't get into the college, you're a senior and you're applying to college and you didn't get into the one you want to get into, you're like, oh, come on, what am I going to do now? Or maybe you did get into the one you want to go to and you're thinking, oh, there's no way I can pay for it. Or maybe you're a student in school and you've had some serious challenges this year and maybe that next grade is not coming as you'd want to go with the rest of your friends. Or maybe you just walked in this morning and life's been hitting you like a wrecking ball. Over and over and over again. And you're wondering, when is it ever going to stop? Is it going to ever end? 
See, we have all been there before. Every single one of us in this room has faced challenges in life. And we have been standing there or we're going to stand there again. And what we do is come to that point where we're standing there thinking there's no way past this. Whatever this is in your life, that's how you are feeling. So what I want to do for us this morning, I want to give us two words to remember. Two words to say. Two words to write down. Two words that I believe if you believe them and live them out, have profoundly could change your life. And those two words are simply found in the series name, But God. Because those two words come with the full power and force of the one who created all things and hold things together. Those two words come with a, from the power and the force of the one who gives us life, beginning and eternal life. Those two words are the one, come from the one who provides our every single need while we are here. Two words, powerful words, but God. But the problem that we face is when the challenges come, when we get hit, those two words suddenly come across our lips. We don't say it. We don't believe it. We don't live it. We, we actually say a different phrase, and it's this, but I. When we get hit, when we get, feel like get punched in the face with life, we say, but I. But I can't go through this. I can't do this. I can't go through this again, but I can't find another job, but I can't live without him or her, but I, but I, but I, and we forget two powerful words, but God, and we keep on replacing it with but I. The reality is, friends, but I will always fail in comparison to but God. But I will always fail in comparison to but God. And we have to choose what we're going to say and how we're going to live in life. In fact, if you were to pick up this book, this book right here, it's called the Bible. Church, read your Bible. If you were to read your Bible, we would read stories of real people who lived real lives. Just like you and I, everyday people, who came against what we think like. There's no way to get past that. There is no win situations, but God intervened into their lives. He stepped on the scene, and everything changed. And that's exactly what I want you to walk out of here knowing this morning. I want you to hold on to a phrase. Write it down. Type it in your phone. Do me a favor. Maybe post it on your social media because you know what happens every year in social media. It pops up as a reminder and maybe next year at this time you're walking through another challenge and this thing is going to come up in front of you and this is the phrase, but God changes everything. But God changes everything. So what you're walking through, you're like, oh, snap. I've been saying, but I, I need but God in my life. See, there's some in your room right here or many in the room who can testify this, that Jesus changes everything. Their lives were headed in a wrong direction, maybe drugs, alcohol, divorce, unforgiveness, or even disease, but God stepped into their lives, into their world, and everything changed. But see, because, but God turns a trial into a triumph. But God turns a test into a testimony. But God turns a failing into a future. 
no matter how big the obstacle is in front of us, but God is bigger. No matter how tall the wall is defeat that we're looking at, but God is taller. Come on, think about this. No matter how menacing the giant is standing in front of us, telling you, telling me, telling us that we can't get through it, there's no way, there's no way, but God took him down with a stone. But God, he changes everything. And today we celebrate this. Today we celebrate this with, with great praise because but God we're celebrating is the biggest but God moment in human history. The day that Jesus Christ conquered the grave, he rose from the dead. The resurrection is, of Jesus is our foundation and our faith. It's the pillar of Christianity. Let me just tell you this. If anyone here in this room could ever prove that Jesus is still dead, the church would fall like the house of cards. Christian faith would take its place along a long history of man-made religions that failed the test of time. But here's the beauty, but God didn't let the story end that way. In fact, Peter, one of Jesus' closest disciples... Right? One of the closest I was walked with him, lived with him, ministered with him. When he was standing in front of the temple courts, proclaiming to a crowd of people this absolute truth of Jesus. He says this in Acts 3, verse 15. He says, you killed the author of life, but God raised him from the dead. You killed the author of life, but God raised him from the dead. Friends, God is the, the central hope of Easter. The story doesn't end with Jesus in a tomb. There are two sides to his story. What the enemy meant for evil, God meant for good. And that's why it's called good news. So what I want to do this morning is to pull this whole but God idea into perspective, bring some clarity into our lives, and identify why Jesus' resurrection means so much to us. And listen, I understand that there may be skeptics in the room. There may be some of you who walked in that you don't believe in Jesus Christ. You're just here because you were invited. You were here because you dragged in. You were here this morning because you don't want to be that one who upsets the family fighting thing on Easter, right? No one wants to start the family fight on Easter. Or maybe you do. I don't know. But you're here, right? And I'm stoked that you're here. I love that you were here. Because the fact that here's, no matter how you were walking in this door, if it were any way we're looking at it, if God can raise his son from the dead, that means there's no obstacle too big for you in your life that you can't overcome. Through the power of Jesus Christ, there's no trial that's too tragic. The reality becomes but God can turn a death, disaster, a defeat into victory. Are you with me on that, church? All right, let's get this. Open your Bibles, if you would, to Matthew 27. Matthew 27, we're kicking off things off at verse 57. If you grabbed an orange Bible on the way in, you will find it on page 681. Matthew 27, 57, 681. By the way, if you grabbed an orange Bible when you came in, take that. That's our gift to you. We believe in the power of God's word working in your life and want you to have a copy of it. So please feel free to take that with you. As we step in this morning, I want to set the scene a little bit because we're talking about Jesus' resurrection, but we're going to be looking at some things a little bit different this morning. Because at this point, when we get into the scripture, Jesus is dead. He was betrayed. He was 
beaten, he was whipped, spit on, slapped, hung on a cross. He took his last breath, the earth shook, rocks split, the curtain was torn, and tombs were broken open. That's where you and I are stepping into the scripture this morning. So if you have your Bibles open, chapter 27, Matthew, starting at verse 57, it says, As evening approached, there came a rich man from Arimathea named Joseph, who he himself become a disciple of Jesus, a follower of Jesus. Going to Pilate, he asked for Jesus' body. And Pilate ordered that it be given to him. Joseph took the body, wrapped it in clean linen cloth, and placed it in his own tomb that he had just cut out of the rock. He rolled a big stone in front of the entrance, entrance of the tomb, and then went away. Mary Magdalene and the other Mary were sitting there opposite of the tomb. Let's just stop right there. So we're very, very clear. At this point, Jesus is dead. Case closed casket closed. You know what I'm saying? There's no debating this. He is dead. You wouldn't wrap a live body in linen and put it in a tomb. You wouldn't trap your friend in behind a tomb and say, hey, see you later. Right? He is dead. In fact, because the religious leaders hated Jesus with such passion, this normal Jewish ritual of burial wasn't enough for them. They wanted to do whatever they could do to prove that once and for all that Jesus was not the Messiah. He was not the one who was going to come that God promised that would change anything. They wanted actually, they wanted this whole Jesus circus to disappear. And because Jesus said over and over again to the multitudes that he would rise again in three days, the chief priests went to Pilate and convinced him that these followers might steal his body and take to make people think that he actually rose from God. I said, listen, hey, listen, he, Jesus, he talked about this. And what I think is going to happen is that these Christie's followers are going to take his body. And I was like, ah, see, see, our, our Lord is risen. So they went to Pilate. And look what he says. We can look at respond. Pilate says, take a guard. If you're so worried, you're so concerned, take a guard. Go and make the tomb as secure as you know how. So they went and made a tomb as secure by putting the seal, the Roman seal on it, on the stone, and positioning the guard. As secure as humanly possible, as you know how. Prove that this Jesus guy was dead and done. That's what they were seeking for to happen. That's what they were seeking to get done. And as you and I are stopping right here, we're having this conversation we're faced with four hard truths. Four hard truths actually showing that Jesus is who he says he is. And he proclaimed it, he said it, now actually isn't. Four hard truths, and this is one of them. The first truth, he's dead. I mean, he is God, why is he dead? He's dead. His body was taken off the cross, and he was buried in a tomb. That's hard truth number one. Number two, the stone was in the way. There was this massive stone away back in the first century. They didn't put people in caskets like we do today. They buried them in tombs. They carved out of a mountainside a space to put the body, and they carved a trough on the ground, and they took a whole bunch of people, and they put this huge rock in front of it. In other words, they put this huge physical limitation in front of Jesus. Let me just ask you, when you're facing trials and walking through difficulties in life, 
Maybe you're walking in this morning feeling a, a, a physical limitation. Maybe it's cancer or a sickness or a child with special needs, whatever it may be. We all have physical limitations. And when we look at them and we say, but I, we look at them thinking they're blocking God's work in our lives. Hard truth number three is the seal. The seal on that stone will show the full power of Caesar to shut that tomb tight. Anyone found tampering the Roman seal would be executed immediately. The seal represents the politics of the situation. Pilate wanted everybody to know that he was the man in charge, that he was the boss. But we also face this in life. We also walk through this in life. You know, when we deal in these difficult situations, it seems like the power of what we're facing in life is stronger and bigger than the power of the God that we love and serve. And the fourth, the fourth truth is the soldiers. The soldiers posted guard. Most believe that these were the Roman guard, Roman soldiers. This is that's what it means when it says posted the guard. It means it would have been like 16 commandos. All right, 16 commandos. They're like the Navy SEALs of the Roman Empire. And each man, each guard represented, they, like, we would protect six square feet. They couldn't check out. They couldn't take a siesta. They couldn't step out and check their Facebook or their Instagram, right? Amen. If they're actually, if they were found falling asleep, if they fell asleep in the job, they would be beaten and most likely burned alive. In fact, if one of them, one of the guards fell asleep and failed to do what they're called to do, all 16 of them would probably be killed. These were the people that represented and stood in the way of Jesus saying who he is. And we also have people. We also have people in our lives that are trying to stand between us and our relationship with Jesus. People who are pushing us away. People that we choose to follow instead of following God. People who tell us that Jesus isn't real. People who we, we follow that they have to have the best life for us, but they stand in the way and they keep on pushing us apart. All this played out for man's desires. And at this point, every single follower of Jesus thought the revival was over. So the disciples went off in hiding. Some of them went back to fishing, back to their old lives. And they sat there and thought, there's no way that Jesus is coming back from this. Again, that's how we feel. When we're hit with troubles, we're hit with conflict, we're hitting with trouble sometimes in our lives, we feel like sometimes there's no way that I'm coming back from this. There's no way I can get through what I'm facing. And then two words, but God steps into our lives and changes everything. See, this is only half the story. Humanity did all that they could do. The enemy did all he could do. This was Jesus Act 1. And I'm so thankful that we have an Act 2. If you've been to any play, there's always two acts. And you're like, oh, Act 1 was amazing, but Act 2, boom. Right? Mind blown, there's resolution to what we're facing. That's exactly what we're seeing this morning. Because in Act 2 of Jesus' life, we see the greatest reversal in human history. Let me show you in Matthew 28. Look on the screen. 
starting at verse 1, 28 verse 1. It says, after the Sabbath, at dawn, at the first day of the week, Mary Magdalene and the other Mary went to look at the tomb. There was a violent earthquake, for an angel of the Lord came down from heaven, going to the tomb, rolled back the stone, and sat on it. (laughs) His appearance was like lightning. His clothes were as white as snow. The guards were so afraid of him, they shook and became like dead men. (laughs) I think they fainted. I read that thing, okay. They were like, here we go, we're big, bad, ah! Right? Gone. The angel said to the woman, do not be afraid. I know that you are looking for Jesus who was crucified. He is not here. He has risen. Let me say it again. He has risen. Okay, that's a third of you. He has risen. Come on. Just like he said, just like he said, come, let's see the place where he lay. Then they go quickly and tell his disciples that he has risen from the dead and going ahead of you into Galilee. There you will see him. Now I have told you. Verse 8, so the women hurried away from the tomb, yet afraid, yet filled with joy. They ran to tell his disciples. Suddenly, suddenly Jesus met them. Greetings, ladies. Come on, greetings, ladies. And they came and they clasped at his feet and worshiped him. Friends, let me just stop you here real quick. We serve a risen Christ. These ladies saw the, the risen Christ, and what they do? They fell on their knees, grabbed a hold of him, and they worshiped him. And then Jesus said to them, Do not be afraid. Go and tell my brothers to go to Galilee. There they will see me. And so I just read 10 verses, and I wonder if you saw it. Did you, did you tell me you saw the greatest reversal in human history? I mean, we just pour down Scripture, written down, preserved, shared over and over again. I'll give you a free copy when you walk in the door. It's right there. Think about it. Walk through this with me. The guards, the guards that were their commandos were scared and p- fainted, I guess. I don't know, right? And the seal. They showed the Caesar's authority, the Roman authority, was shattered by the one who has authority, that is God himself. And the stone, the stone, the physical blocking from having Jesus step out of the tomb, what it, it was rolled away, and the angel sat right on top like it was nothing, like, hey, what's up? Anybody got a lemonade? I mean, think about that. It looks so simple. And then you got Jesus. Jesus, who was dead in the tomb, wrapped in linen, was standing there alive. And people were there to witness it. Witness the risen Christ, God's glory, and resurrecting in the power of the Holy Spirit, his son, Jesus Christ. The greatest but God moment in human history. Let's read it again, Acts 3, Acts 3, verse 15. It says, you killed the author of life. You say it. You killed the author of life. You killed the author of life. Raised him from the dead. That's why we're so stoked this morning. Jesus is alive, but God changed everything 
And friends, I want to tell you, it's been almost 2,000 years and that tomb is still empty. We still serve a risen Savior. And that but God moment means there is nothing in front of you, nothing in front of me, nothing in front of us as a church. Those who are seeking Jesus, there's nothing in front of you that can't be overcome by two words, but God. Jesus changed everything. There is victory in Jesus. There is life in Jesus. Let me just tell you, if you're in this room and you want that victory life, that means you need to come to the point and spend your life to him. That's where you find it. Not in your good deeds, not in your hard work, but in a life surrendered to the risen king. Does anybody see this light? Three people? Three. This light. This light represents two individuals this past week who surrendered life to Jesus Christ. They had a but God moment in their life. And today, we praise God for Braydon's salvation. We praise God for Victoria's salvation. And by the way, they're in the room right now. <laughs> Scripture tells us it's possible. Ephesians 2, verses 3 through 5, it says, By the very nature, by our very nature, we were subject to God's anger. Just like everyone else. You say those words. Snap, there it is again. But God's so rich in mercy, he loved us so much that even though we were dead because of our sins, he gave us life when he raised Christ from the dead. There is two sides to Jesus' story. Death and life. There's two sides to your story. You can have death and then you can have life. It doesn't matter what you're facing. It doesn't matter where you are. You can choose to follow him. Because God is here. And he desires to have a relationship with you. There's a but God for every single one of us. Friends, that's why Jesus came. He came to make the unclean clean. He came because we're dead in our sin, but God, but God, he died on the cross and defeated death. And three days later, giving you, me, and all humanity the opportunity, the ability to be cleansed from all the junk in our lives. And to be with him forever and ever and ever and ever and ever. Amen. All you need to do is believe in this truth. And surrender your life to this truth. Friends, that's the beauty of Easter. That is why we celebrate. That's why the church gets all sorts of crazy on this weekend. Like, those guys are nuts. Yep, we're nuts for Jesus. Because we understand. That our lives could be running in the wrong direction to 100 miles. All we have to do is turn and surrender it all to him. Turn. You're going this way, turn around, give it to Jesus and go this way. No matter where we are headed, we can stop and drink the living water of Jesus Christ. But God stepped in the scene into our lives and changes everything. We're never too far gone. We can never do too much wrong. God is always there. That but God moment is for every single one of us in this room. 
And right now there are many in this room who have. And that's why we've been celebrating like crazy. Because Jesus has changed our life. I'm going to tell you another reason we're celebrating like crazy. Because we believe there's people in this room right here, right now, who have not surrendered their lives. We're like, yeah, God, thank you for changing our life. Thank you for changing our life. Thank you for changing. But we know. We know there's people in this room right here, right now, who need Jesus. They've had those four barriers. Maybe they think he's dead. Maybe there's a seal that's pushing things away. Maybe there's people. Maybe whatever it may be. We know that you need him. Church, give it up for Jesus. Come on. Give it up for Jesus. Get up. Come on. Get up. Give it up for Jesus. Everybody, come on. Give it up for Jesus. He changed your life. He changed your life. He's changed your life. He's changed your life. Don't ever stop celebrating that. Never stop celebrating that. Don't ever stop celebrating that. But if you haven't, if you're here this morning and you do not have the but God moment in your life, I want to encourage you right here, right now to let it happen. I don't know where you stand. I don't know what you believe. I don't know what you're I don't know what you're facing. But I know two words, six letters that can radically change your life forever. But God, don't go out those doors and, and enter your life again without accepting the one who can radically change it forever. So we can celebrate your life change next week. I'm going to pray. I'm going to give you the opportunity. And here's the thing. I'm not going to call you out. I'm not going to say, you know, fill out a card and, and go to find somebody. I'm not going to say, hey, find one of us. I'm not going to say any of that. I'm just going to tell you to pray, surrender, fill out a card, hand it in, and walk out the door. Okay? I'm not going to put the pressure for you to come raise from forward. I'm not going to say, hey, raise your hand. I found Jesus. Well, maybe we do that. I don't know. Don't walk out those doors without that, taking a hold of that opportunity. Christ took a brutal beating for you. He conquered the grave for you. And all he's asking for you, will you surrender your life to him? Let's pray. Father, we thank you. We thank you for who you are. We thank you for your love for us. God, we thank you for Jesus. Several months ago, we are here praising that our Savior was born. And now we're here praising that our Savior was born to new life, in resurrected life. And you did that all for us. You knew there was nothing we could do because of the sin of our lives. We couldn't be good enough. Couldn't do enough good works. 
You knew the only way was sacrifice. The sacrifice for our sins and you sent your son willingly. And as we talked about on Friday night, how your son chose your will. God, I know there's people in this room right here, right now, who have never embraced the gut but God moment in their lives. I pray that right now that you are encouraging them to make a decision. Counting the cost, what it means to follow you. Not based on of emotion or feeling pushed, but your spirit calling them to yourself. You're the only one who saves. And if you're here right now, I'm just going to say a few words. You can just copy after me and surrender your life to the king, the risen king. And simply this, Father, forgive me, for I am Forgive me for my sins. I believe in Jesus. I believe he died for my sin. I believe that he rose from the grave, conquering death, given every single one of us, including me, a but God moment. Today, I surrender it all to you. I give you my life. I am all yours. I turn from my old life and embrace a new life with you. If you prayed that, your, your but God moment happened right here, right now. And that's all what God wanted from you this morning. It's an opportunity for you to hear the truth and you surrender your life to the truth. Father, we thank you for this weekend. You get all the glory. You get all the praise. In your son's name I pray. Amen.